3: Friday, everybody. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630. Jet. Eskimos broadcast will start at 1 on Sunday, game at 2.30. Oilers broadcast will start at 10.30 tomorrow morning, game at noon against the Dallas Stars. I uh, really appreciate everybody texting in tonight. Man, I just uh, got a text from uh, somebody else from Evansburg. That's pretty cool. The old homestead. Uh... It's, it's funny, whenever we talk about line combinations, Everybody, I, I can't read every single text with every single line combination. I think we've got them all covered on the text line. We'll see what McClellan goes with tomorrow. Uh, good call there from Paxton Schulte before the break. Quickly uh, Googled his totals, played a couple of games in the NHL, well over 300 games in the American Hockey League, uh, Spokane Chiefs in the early 90s. Yeah, He did have a season with uh, 42 goals, 42 assists, and 172 penalty minutes. So he could do a little bit of everything when he was in the dub. That was a great call from Paxton. Awesome to hear from him. All right. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. We will have time for calls a little bit later on. But first, to talk a little bit Eskimo Peters and uh, maybe some other topics as well. I'm pleased to welcome former CFL long snapper, three-time Grey Cup champion, Randy Chevrier, back to the show.
4: Randy, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Reed.
3: Yeah, it's good to talk to you. I've always enjoyed our chats in the past. And what I like about talking to you, Randy, is you're just as interesting to talk to about non-football topics as as well as football. And uh, I remember last time you were on, we were talking about life after football for you, and uh, you were aspiring to be a firefighter. So let people know how that's going.
4: Well, it's, uh, it's actually going well. I um, think we spoke at Labor Day, and that was kind of right at the beginning of... Uh, of um my uh my training with the fire maybe right in the middle but uh one of the toughest things i've done in my life uh Uh, three months of intense training and studying and it was basically an everyday grind and and uh, you know it was uh, it was unbelievable the the way they uh, the hoops they put us through which is great to know for the citizens of Calgary that it's a pretty exhaustive process but uh, I've been on the floor uh, as they say for about uh, almost uh, two months now Um, and uh, yeah I work actually at a station right by the stadium and and uh, I'm loving it. I love the job. I'm a probationary firefighter. Um, you know, i got to dump through a few hoops for a year before I become a full-fledged guy. But uh, I've got a great group of guys that take care of me on the calls. And, uh, you know, it's the it's, it's place where I'm going how to learn how to become, you know, the best firefighter I can be. But I, but I love the job and uh, very, very m- many similarities to, uh, to playing professional sport and being on the team. And, and uh, that's why I love it even more.
3: Well, I wanted to ask you that. So what's tougher, training to be a firefighter or a CFL training camp?
4: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm, going to say, uh, I'm going to put in uh, the word for the the firefighting. Uh, You know, most CFL training camps, uh, even the longest I ever had, might have been three or four weeks, longest, three weeks. Uh, I've done NFL four weeks, but, uh, you know, this was three months where I basically had to put my whole life on hold just to see if I had a job. And, you know, at the phase of life I'm in, you know, I turned 41 this year. Uh, you know, I've got uh, a wife and three kids and a busy household. And, you know, after 16 years of playing football, you know, the contact to the head and all those things we talk about in in a more serious fashion regarding football, uh, you know, those things all affect and you're going into this brand new environment where, you know, me personally, I have no previous background. And it was was one of the most daunting things I've ever done, having to reinvent myself as a 41-year-old male and starting over as a rookie. And, uh, yeah, for me personally, it was the toughest thing I've ever done.
3: Well, that's a that's an excellent story, Randy. Thanks for sharing that. And, and was was life after football scary to you when you actually started seriously using the retire word? I mean, like I love yeah. how you put it. You're a 41 year old rookie. A lot of people don't go through that. But I mean, was that uh, was that scary when you knew football was winding down?
4: Yeah, truthfully, it was. Reed and this is a conversation we can spend an hour on one day, and I do a lot of work with that. But uh, you know. I was very blessed to play 16 years of pro ball. Most guys only play three, and I would say in in the 16 years of f- football that I played, I worked every off season. Sometimes I held down two or three jobs. I mean, a long snapper you're making just a little bit more than the equipment or the uh, the water boy on the uh, on the roster. So I knew that in order to feed my family and keep playing football. Uh, and doing what I love, I'd have to work. And, and also, you know, looking beyond, you know, I knew that I couldn't play forever. And I tried to prepare. I done, I had done real estate. I have a teaching degree. I did mortgages. I did personal training. I did sales. I, I, I worked in the media. You name it, I've tried to figure out what it was uh, that I would do uh, when I was done football and try to amass a skill set that would help me transition easier and um when the stamps let me go after the 2015 season and i still wasn't in the fire department as ready as i thought i was uh it still hit me like a ton of bricks and you know there was a year where uh, last year i I, uh, I had a job i actually had one full-time job and uh three part-time jobs just to kind of make ends meet as i was waiting to see if i could get into the fire department i had a lot of ri- i had a lot riding on this opportunity with the fire department But uh, like I said, you know, for me, someone who I thought I was prepared, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and unfortunately – uh, there's a lot of my, uh, colleagues and peers, uh, that I played football with and guys that play now that, you know, as much as we try to tell them prepare for life after football, they don't. And, and I know it hits a lot of them a lot harder. And it's, a, you know, it's actually a pretty serious, uh, matter to me and, 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 some, uh, some of my colleagues that we try to address with guys because, you know, you're only on top for, for such a short period of time. And if you're not prepared for life after, really, I mean, it really can take you by surprise. You know, things can spiral pretty quickly if, if you're not ready for it.
3: Yeah, well, you've clearly found a, a new passion, and it's great to hear how dedicated you are to uh, to being a firefighter in Calgary. Randy Chevrolet joining us inside sports, former Eskimo and Stampeder, three-time Grey Cup champion. So into the division finals we go here this weekend in the CFL, Randy. I, I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank here. The best part about participating in a playoff game in football is blank.
4: Winning the last game.
3: Okay, so these (laughs) these, these, teams—that's—I know that's not exactly what I was expecting, but now that you said it, it seems like an obvious answer.
1: (laughs)
4: That—that's the only part that (laughs) matters—is winning that last game. Uh, You know. Um, you, you play all season. You put your body through so much to get to the point where you can move on to the next game and, and play that final game. And the best part is the winning. You know, you could, you could uh, you know in 2003 when I played with the Eskimos, I don't even remember that in that game I uh, recovered a Keith Stokes fumble on a punt and then I, I don't even know if we went back to, to score. Like, I don't even remember the games. I just know if we won or lost and that's the only thing that you remember when you're long removed from the game. Maybe some guys remember some some key plays, but if you lost the game and you made some key plays, it doesn't matter. All you play for this time of year is to win the game. That's why we'll play in minus 17, minus 35. If it's minus 45, they will still play that game, and it's not, it's not for anything but to win that game, and, and really that's, that's what playoff football is this time of year for sure.
3: Randy, what's the worst weather you ever played in?
4: Ooh. Uh, there's a couple of games I played in my career. I remember in two thousand three, um <clears throat> when I was with the Eskimos and we played the final game of the season in Winnipeg and um we had already locked up first place and it was cold and I, I can't even remember how cold it was, but I know it was cold because my hands I kept my hands so close to those heaters that they have on the sideline but I actually burned all the hair off of my hands because anything further from the heater and I wasn't feeling, feeling the warmth. So I kept it so close and I actually burnt all the hair off my hands. Uh, and so I would say that would be, to me, memorable as the coldest game that I have ever played in. I think there was one. Uh, a game in Cincinnati I had played in uh, in 2001 uh, that went to overtime against the Steelers and uh, it was freezing. It was it was absolutely frigid out there. Um, but yeah, no, we definitely played in a lot of cold ones. A couple of Western Finals, but again, uh, many of the games I don't remember the temperature. I remember the win or the loss. Yeah. In, well... uh, a lot of those Western Finals and and playoff games. I mean, look, you think I played I played uh, was it 13 or 14 years in the CFL? And I've only won three Grey Cups, so uh, there were definitely a lot more losses than victories, for sure.
3: Well, you won three more than most of us, so <laughs> that's, that's not bad, Randy. <laughs> hey, uh, in terms of in terms of the matchup this weekend, do you put any stock into the way the Stampeders finished the season? You know, where they they didn't have a lot to play for. And and they lost their last three games. One game actually was in really bad weather against Winnipeg. Do you do you put any stock into the way they went into it, and conversely, uh, the way the Eskimos have have uh, riding another win streak here?
4: Yeah, uh, you know, f- for me, when I was a player, and if things weren't clicking on all cylinders at the end of the season, I used to worry a little bit. But then I would just focus on my job and 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 uh, really, um, you know. Trust that everyone else is focused, and, and at this time of the year, it's such a mental game that if guys can get their minds wrapped around, you know what, we've got to focus, we've got to prepare, we've got to win, uh, then uh, then you know what happened in the last three weeks uh, don't matter. But as a you know as a football fan, and, and what I know from uh, you know my knowledge of the game and, and my experience with the game is that if you're not clicking in all on all cylinders at the end of October and into November. Uh, you're going to have issues when you come to that one game elimination. So, you know, just from uh, uh, you know a perspective of, of a fan, you know, a lot favors the Eskimos right now. They're riding high, they've got momentum, everything's clicking. You know, the Peters have spent a couple of weeks, and even before the the three-game losing streak, things weren't really clicking the way they they, they wanted to. You know, like, uh, I'm uh, I'm obviously living in Calgary, and I'm, and I'm a big Stamps fan for as much time as I spent here. But I'm also realistic, and I know that, you know, their kicker won them three games early on, and uh, he's fantastic. And their defense played lights-out football and, you know, <clears throat> made a lot of big plays. But uh, their offense hadn't been clicking the way uh, – they would like and probably it should and, and they've got to figure that out quick and uh for me personally as a cfl fan i want to see them figure it out i want to i want to i want to nail better like we saw last year in the playoffs in in the cfl you know the great cup that went to the overtime i just i just like those close games i don't want them to be blowouts and, and games where it's just you know fans will turn the tv off uh, halfway through once they think uh, the game's already in hand by one team or the other
3: yeah, well, I would expect both games to be close this week for sure. Randy, it's great to catch up with you. I really appreciate your perspective, like I said at the beginning, not just on football but on life as well. All the best in your uh, still relatively new journey as a firefighter, and I hope we can do this again soon, Randy. Thank you so much for coming on Inside Sports. For
4: sure. Thanks a lot, Reed. We'll, uh, we'll We'll chat soon.
3: Three-time Grey Cup champion, now a firefighter, Randy Chevrier, joining us on Inside Sports. Always interesting to talk to him and uh, very candid about his experiences both in and outside of football. Lives in Calgary now, played for the Eskimos and the Stamps, briefly with the Rough Riders at his end of his career. And I think you can uh, hear it in that interview that... He likes the way the Eskimos are looking going into the postseason. I know many of you do as well. The Big L texting in, he says, uh, Hey, Reed, I live just outside of Calgary. There's a lot of silent nervousness down here about Sunday's game. (laughs) The Big L also saying, One of my good buddies has an Eskimos toque from the 70s. I wish you would wash it. Go green and gold. (laughs) That's That's from the Big L. There's nothing like an unwashed toque. 719. You can text 630 630. Phone number 780 496 0063. Coming right back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, we got a texture here who has a lot of faith in Mike Riley. Simply writing in, Eskimos by 17, that's as far as I'll go. Well, that's going pretty far, unnamed texter. That's a nice, confident text. Eskimos and Peter's Sunday. 1 o'clock for the countdown to kick off here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 2.30. Oilers tomorrow, 10.30 face-off show, game against Dallas at noon. Dallas was throttled last night by Tampa Bay, and the Oilers had uh, their own stinker losing 4-1 to St. Louis. Tonight, two games in the NHL, five minutes left. Blue Jackets are up 2-0 on the Rangers, and after two periods, Detroit leads Buffalo 1-0. Big Canada West hockey game. Four minutes left in the second period. The Alberta Golden Bears leading the Saskatchewan Huskies 4-1. Dylan Bredo with two goals for the Golden Bears. Alberta 10-0 in conference play, ranked number one in the country. The Huskies 8-1-1 in conference play, ranked third in the country. But uh, the Bears clearly having the better of that game tonight. 4-1, now three minutes left in the second period. A little bit more here on the Eskimos. And uh, a lot of the, the story around the team actually about a guy who isn't going to play this weekend, and that's J.C. Schert. Achilles injury week one of the regular season he has been back at practice and was talking about a timetable for a return
2: it, it was my main focus um, That's why I mean people talk about having down days and, and I understand that but honestly I didn't have one and I felt like I never wasted a day because I knew instantly what my timeline was I knew how fast somebody had made it back and I knew that fell into the timeline of the Grey Cup so I had a goal right out the gate and and that drives you every day. Yeah like I said and the Keelies is a little different so I I was able to reach out to players in this league that had gone through the exact same thing. And obviously John White had gone through it. Um, so we were able to bounce ideas off each other. And uh, it's funny. You just kind of become this little Achilles community uh, and you just want to see each other succeed. So watching the way Solomon and TJ played, you know, I text them after every game, you know, great game. That's an inspiration right there because it was. You guys were almost your own.
3: All right. That is JC Sherrod. Maybe he'll play in the great cup if The Eskimos make it. Speaking of injured Edmonton athletes, Andre Sekera, defenseman for the Oilers, has been skating with the team for a couple of weeks. Todd McClellan was asked about an update today.
0: He's still a ways away. He's uh, just getting to the point where he's gonna begin to skate with us. No body contact. Uh, We won't see him at all in November. um, And we're hoping somewhere in December
4: he's able to return.
3: All right, so there you go, Andre Sekra. McDavid and Clefbaum didn't practice today. Feeling a little under the weather, Todd McClellan saying they should be good for the game against the Stars tomorrow. Well, this is going to be something when we get back, folks. Dominique Wilkins, member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, the human highlight reel. He's next inside sports on 630 Chad. Sports presents Legends of the Game Well I'm pleased to welcome to the show a man I have often referred to as my more athletic cousin though uh, I think we all know that's not quite the case because uh, quite, quite, quite different backgrounds but but I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports Dominique Wilkins. Dominique you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing sir? Good, how are you? I'm doing very well. It is a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I, I got to say, Dominique, I, I I was born in the '70s, so when I was growing up in a small town in the 1980s, uh, it was you know it's been a, it's been a something a joke all my life where people would be like, "Oh, are you related to Dominique?" Ha ha ha! So to actually talk to you is uh is is pretty cool. Do you meet a lot of other Wilkins or 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 what? <laughs> Not a lot, not a
0: lot at
3: all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's good to connect with you, and uh, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Let people know, Dominique. Uh, I, I know you're you're still uh, heavily involved with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, what what uh, what role are you playing with the team now, and, and how do you like it?
0: I'm vice president of the team an analyst for Fox Television. I've been here many many years, and it's fun. man. I, I enjoy it. I mean, the Hawks. I love the franchise. I, I help build what it is today so um yeah i'm just thrilled to still be a part of it
3: i I think a lot of people uh you know will obviously remember your career and what a what a great exciting player you are but i'm always interested getting to know people a a little bit before they became a, a pro athlete when you when you were a young guy was it was it always basketball for you were you a natural when it came to the sport or uh what was your what was your journey like when you were a young player well, I, it was—it pretty much came
0: natural to me, to be honest with you. Uh, it was—it was, um, it was uh, a really kind of a smooth transition for me from high school to college to pros. I mean, it was—it wasn't a—I mean, it was a long road, and you had to make a lot of sacrifices. But basketball was was easy. Uh, becoming a young man was the hardest thing, of was doing growing up.
3: Okay, well, that's interesting. I want to follow up on that. But did you start playing? Uh, basketball as a really young guy, or were you into into other sports as well? Well,
0: I played other sports. I ran track and field, played football, baseball. But basketball is what I excelled in, basketball and track. And um, I didn't play organized basketball, really, until 10th grade.
3: Oh, really? How come? Uh, well, growing up in Baltimore, we played a lot of streetball. That's what we did. So do you think that's why because your nickname was the human highlight film and and you were known as one of the best mm-hmm. dunkers ever in the NBA, do you think that that street ball history kind of made you more creative offensively?
0: Oh, no question. The street ball was different when we grew up. It was real street ball where guys played every day on the playground. That's what it was about.
3: Was it a difficult transition into maybe more, I don't know if organized is the right word, or more of a more structured basketball? Was that a... No, 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 it,
0: it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't difficult at all. I think we had
3: more fears than anything else, but from,
0: from a physical standpoint, it was it an was easy transition.
3: Okay. Uh, you mentioned that, that maybe uh, be becoming a young man and becoming a man was, uh, was tougher than becoming a basketball player. Uh, what do you mean like that by that? What were some of the challenges you faced?
0: Well, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that you know you, you you're always we well been kids that come up, you play different sports and playing the sport was was easy, but really maturing as a young person, male or female, during that time, I mean, those was difficult times, and so you had to become more responsible during that era. So uh, we, that was the toughest thing.
3: Who were some of the uh, the role models or mentors you had uh, during that time in your life?
0: Well, I had a couple of playground legends I grew up in Baltimore who really taught me how to play the game. I mean, guys that were unbelievable talents but never made it to the NBA. And
3: then my biggest idol was, of course, Dr. J. Oh, nice. How come you like Dr. J so much? Well, who didn't? <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> it, it was a household name. Everybody loved Dr.
3: Dominique Wilkins joining us on uh, Inside Sports as, uh, as as we catch up with the uh, the guy who is not uh, my cousin, despite our constant references on the station. What, when you when you got, when you got uh, drafted, I'm trying to think. You went you went third overall. Did you did you think you were gonna we gonna go that high? What do you remember about your draft year? Uh, I knew I would go
0: high. Actually, I thought I was going number one. <laughs> no, because coming out, I was told I was going to be the number one pick but the problem was Mitch Kupchak got hurt. I knew if I didn't go one, that I would go 3 because I was supposed to go to the Lakers at that time.
3: Well, that would have been interesting. So the the, the Lakers took Worthy, right? Right. Mhm. Okay. Uh as you progressed through your career. Now I got I got to tell you Dominique, I grew up in a, in a small town here in northern Alberta. So I didn't I didn't watch mm-hmm. the NBA a lot. We didn't get a lot of games, but I was always reading mm-hmm. and following um, mm-hmm. Is is it fair to say that that you had a rivalry with Michael Jordan, or or how do you look back on that?
0: Oh, of course, of course, great rivalry. I mean, rivalries that have never been duplicated. I mean, we love playing against one another. We brought the best out of each other.
3: What about the dunk competitions? <laughs>
0: with the same, is the, the same thing. We live to play the game and and perform at the game at a very high level, and you know, I don't think you ever see a dunk contest or? Competitive, two guys like that again.
3: Was there uh, was there like any uh, animosity, or was it more like kind of a, a friendly? No. Res- no.
0: No. 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 Mike and I have an uh, unbelievable amount of respect for one another, and it was it was a rivalry. Look, we both competitive. We both wanted to win, but it wasn't a love hate relationship. Man, we had mad respect for each other, and that's the way it was.
3: How much? I, I'm curious because you're in the middle of an NBA season. I mean, that's a grind. You're traveling a lot. You're practicing. You're trying to get rest. How much would you practice the dunks you were going to unveil in the dunk competition?
0: Never. Really? <laughs> we never practice. We never practice that stuff.
3: It's stuff we did in games. Oh, so you would? Okay. You know, we
0: didn't have to practice
3: it. So then you would just throw it out. Okay, when you were in a dunk competition, though, Dominic, would you ever just come up with something spur of the moment and say, I'm just going to try this and yes. I think I can do it? No Absol- way. Absol- <laughs> That's a- absolutely,
0: Absolutely. And Michael did the same thing. So you guys are we just. Never, we, never, we never went in a, in a private gym. and did. We never did that. We just. And it, look, at the end of the day, this is the way we thought. You get a uh, basketball and a pair of sneakers and, and create your own creativity.
3: Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, what's your favorite memory from a dunk competition, Dominique?
0: Well, just the level of competition that was in it. You know, I went against Larry Nance. I went against Dr. J. Of course, Michael Jordan. You know, my brother, Gerald. Uh, and so many great dunkers. You had Kenny Skywalker, Sean Kemp. Those are the fondest memories, man. Some of the greatest dunkers in history.
3: Yeah, those are some great days for sure. Dominique welcome joining us on, uh, on Inside Sports. Uh, as, you, as you went through your career, uh, obviously you played most of the time with the Hawks, uh, Clippers, Celtics, Spurs, Magic, you, you were with as well. Did you, did you go to Europe for a couple of years, Dominique? Two years in Europe. How would you compare the... Two years in Europe. How, how do you compare European pro ball to the NBA? You can't. <laughs> you
0: can't. I mean, especially doing, during that time. You couldn't. I mean, the, the NBA is king and always will be.
3: Was it just the level of athleticism, the the physicality? Uh, what? Well, how would you? What was the biggest? I gap? think.
0: I think. I, I, I think all of the above. Yeah. I mean, from a physical standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, that's a sure, sure skill standpoint. Man, that was an unbelievable.
3: Era. Yeah, how, how do you compare the uh, how do you compare the modern day NBA to the height of it when you played maybe late eighties early nineties? Well, what... you
0: know, you know, I, I you know, I really I really hate comparisons, and and I think a lot of times people get into a comparison unfairly because you know I think it's unfair to compare this era to ours and ours to them because it's just two different times. Um, but I will say this from a physical standpoint, skill standpoint, I don't know if you ever see that again.
3: All right, so here's a question I always ask uh, ex-pros, Dominique. I hope you like this one. Who's the best player you ever played with, and who's the best player you ever played against?
0: Who the best player I've ever played with in their prime would probably be Dan Roundfield. And against, it's too many guys, man: <laughs> Bird, Magic, Doctor J, Jordan. Moses Kareem, <laughs> should I go on? <laughs> I mean, there were a lot too of, many guys. There babe. were
3: there weren't a lot of nights off when you played, eh? <laughs> no, it was no nights off. English,
0: Dantley, Worthy, Cummings, Nance, you know Bernard King, you know. And then these guys playing the small forward position every single night, you know. It was it was unreal. Mark Aguirre, you know, and Marcus Johnson. I mean, it, it was staggering the talent that was around at that time.
3: Yeah, for sure. All right, Dominique, uh, I, I appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, I'll. All, uh, so you're you're six foot eight. Um, you're in your fifties. Can you still throw down? Can you still get up there and dunk? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just going to take me a week to warm up. I only can do it on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that's all. i I'm five foot eight. I'm forty three years old. I, I'm white. What do I have to do to work on my dunking, Dominique?
0: <laughs> got to go back to the drawing
3: board, man. You got to eat some Wheaties at a very early age. <laughs> oh, that's incredible, uh, Dominique. This is uh, this has been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I appreciate you, you making time for uh, for a guy in Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, I, I wish you all the best here with your work with the Hawks. And uh, and you've been a great representative of the Hawks in the NBA. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank our you, brother. Right on. That is Dominique Wilkins. So now, when you ask me, hey, uh, what's the relation? Or somebody says, "Uh, you got the same last name as that NBA guy. I can say, yes, I interviewed him. I had him on Inside Sports. That was Dominique Wilkins. NBA legend, Hall of Famer, now a broadcaster and an executive with the Atlanta Hawks. That was really cool. Speaking of cool stuff, when we get back, uh, you're going to meet a young man who is trying to win his own battle of Alberta. We'll have the details coming up.
2: Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, six thirty, Chad.
3: The and the Oilers are in Dallas. They play the Stars tomorrow at noon. We'll have it for you on 6.30 Chet. Battle of Alberta in the West Final on Sunday afternoon. That's on 6.30 Chet as well with the coverage starting at 1 in the afternoon. We have another Battle of Alberta to tell you about. This is pretty cool. I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports Brody Panich. Brody, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? Good. Good. Thanks for making time for me. How was school today?
1: Yeah. <laughs> was, you're not.
3: You're Sorry, not. A, I, didn't, I didn't.
1: hear
3: you. Oh, I said. I said. Thanks for coming on the show. How was school today?
1: Yeah, it was good.
3: What grade um, are you in? I'm in
1: grade seven.
3: Grade seven. How old are you? Um,
1: I'm 12.
3: All right. Well, thanks for coming on Inside Sports. Um, you you've done something pretty cool here. You uh, you designed a hockey mask. Can you tell me what this is all about?
1: Um, Well, they have this thing in Boston Pizza called Design a Mask. And basically you just design a mask on a sheet of paper and you send it into Boston Pizza. Um, And then they send it to, I believe it's Team Canada office. And then they pick a few and show them to the goalies. Then the goalies pick them. And then uh, they put them into a voting and then whoever gets most votes uh, wins the the reward and the
3: prize okay i want to i want to talk to you about the prize but you have made what are you in like the final two people to win this contest uh yeah wow okay so your goalie design and i'm going to tell people here they can go to uh, the hockey canada facebook page and then you're the right hand mask in the under 13 category is that right
1: yeah, the one on the
3: right. Okay, so when people vote, you go to the Hockey Canada Facebook page and you vote for the right-hand mask in the under-13 character to vote for Brody's. Now, Brody, you're from Edmonton. Where's your competition from? Uh,
1: my competition's from uh, Calgary.
3: Oh, my goodness. So we go, do we know who's ahead right now?
1: Uh, I think I'm ahead by about 100, but he's he's kind of catching up.
3: All right, so we got to we got to get things going for you here. Uh, when does the voting close, Brody?
1: Um, I believe it closes on on Sunday.
3: Okay, so people got this weekend to vote. Now, if you win, what what happens?
1: Well, um, they make a replica of the mask, and I get a copy, and then um, the team Canada goalies this year they wear my design. And then next year, I get uh, two plane tickets and I get to go watch Team Canada play.
3: Okay, because this year's tournament is in Buffalo, but next year it's back in Vancouver, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but, yeah.
3: Okay, so you would get to go to the one in Vancouver, but they would wear your yeah. mask this year in Buffalo, is that right? Yes. Okay, what What would that be like to see a Team Canada goalie wearing something you designed?
1: Well, that'd just be really cool because... Um, well, it's not like you get you get to see your design on the Team Canada goalie like playing in like the Juniors in the World Juniors very often. It's not that's just something like that's one in a lifetime kind of thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what? And again, people can go to the Hockey Canada Facebook page to vote for yours. It's the right hand mask in the under thirteen car- uh, category. But how would you describe the design? Uh, what what did you put on it and why?
1: Well, on the kind of the forehead area, there's two hockey gloves tearing apart like a, like a Superman. And instead of a Superman logo, it's like the Team Canada logo. And it's throwing away metal because Canada's strong. And then on one side, there's a train to represent the Canadian Railway because it goes through all of Canada. And uh, um, it is very tough and it's like powerful and just like Team Canada. And um, then on the other side, there's the Team Can. There's a map of Canada, sorry. And then at the chin, um, there's the bunch of Canada 150 logos, and there's 12 of them. And each one of those represents a province or territory in Canada.
3: Oh, nice going! So you really put a lot of thought into this, eh? Yeah. Are you generally a pretty uh, artistic guy?
1: Yeah, I like to draw and design my own kind of goalie stuff. It's, I think it's really fun, and yeah.
3: Good stuff. Now, do you play hockey?
1: Yeah, I don't play goalie, though. I actually play D on the Hawks in Edmonton. Uh, I play in ball hockey, though. That's really fun.
3: Cool. Who's your favorite NHL player?
1: Um, I like Connor McDavid and Leon J. Seidel. Uh, yeah,
3: they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Uh, Brody, this is awesome. Again, I'm going to keep saying this because we want to beat this kid from Calgary. Uh, You go to the Hockey Canada Facebook page. You vote for the right-hand mask on the under-13 category, and that is Brody's. Brody, thank you for coming on Inside Sports tonight. It was a pleasure to meet you. All the best, buddy. I hope you win this contest. Yeah, thank you. Right on. That is Brody Panich checking in Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Yeah, it's a good-looking mask. So uh, definitely vote and help them out. That's really cool. All right, it is 7.56. One final look at the scoreboard here. The Blue Jackets beat the Rangers 2-0. Detroit leads Buffalo 2-1 with five minutes left. Canada West Hockey in Saskatoon. The U of A Golden Bears up 5-1 on the Saskatchewan Huskies. Six minutes into the third, number one in the country against number three. And the number one Golden Bears looking very, very good. Dylan Bredo and Jamie Crooks have each scored twice. Thanks to everybody who called in and texted tonight. 10.30 face-off show tomorrow. Noon for the puck drop. Oilers and Stars. And then on Sunday, 1 o'clock countdown to kickoff. 2.30 for the actual kickoff. West final. Eskimos Stampeders. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Have a great night. Okay.